welcome back everyone to another episode of the Always Nuance Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Steinberg, and today we are going to be going back to basics, and we are going to be discussing something very fundamental that I kind of think is the answer to almost any question that anyone ever has, and that is balance, which is directly related to nuance. So we're really going back to the building blocks of this podcast. I feel really good right now, and part of the reason why is because I just did something I never did ever in my life, and that is yoga. And not only was it yoga, it was hot yoga. And how hot was it, you may ask? It was 102 degrees Fahrenheit, which is about 10 degrees hotter than it is right now outside in North Texas. And I swear to God, I've never in my life, in my life, sweat so much in a one hour period than I did just now. My shirt, my shirt felt like it gained five pounds. And I felt like I lost five pounds. And it was a really cool experience. Something I definitely want to get into, to be honest. I don't know why more guys don't do it. There were like maybe two or three other guys in the class that I did. But obviously, it was mostly women. Um, definitely something that I want to get back into or get into, I should say, because I've never done it before today. And it was just very difficult. And it was so funny because the whole idea behind it is to be more in touch with yourself, to relax your breathing, to build some strength, to relax your body, to be in tune with your body, all those like nice really cool things but the whole time i'm just like struggling to keep these poses and the instructor's like okay now like lift up your right foot and i like bend it around your neck three times and then like pick up your left foot and i'll go on your back and i'll raise your hand into the air and then go under your between your legs and then around your neck and then touch your head to the floor and i'm just like i i i cannot and then she's like oh you know just relax and breathe and be at ease and be in tune with your body and i'm like bro i this i just just the effort needed to maintain these poses is just insane. But I imagine like once you get better at it and it becomes a little more natural, then you can kind of like do it almost on autopilot and actually start to get into that headspace where you're relaxing, you're more at peace, and that's obviously the goal. So that's just a quick update with me. Today we are talking about balance. So what is balance? I like to give the following example. So there is a Mishnah, which is a compilation of Jewish, oral Jewish tradition that dates back to about the second century. And there is a Mishnah that states, translated into English, it states, who is rich, one who is happy with his lot. Sounds very nice, very wholesome, very positive you know, be happy with what you have. Sounds like, you know, very fundamental, basic idea. And like all other Jewish tradition, there's tons of commentary on this back in my days in yeshiva, which is a post-high school program where we spend many hours a day studying Talmud and other Jewish texts. So obviously, like all of that stuff, you could, like people spend hours just trying to understand one line. And my intention with this is not to say what I think the mission is saying. If you know about this mission, if you're Jewish and you study this and you disagree with me, it's okay. I don't really care about like, for this pur- for the purpose of this, I'm not really trying to say like, I think this is what the mission means, more of the idea I'm trying to bring out. And the idea is the following. So going back to what we discussed in the first episode about being content with what you have. We have an example of this young man who's living in New York City, who's working at Home Depot, not making a lot of money, not doing so well and has a thought one day that maybe he wants to change his life around, make more money, up his style, up his dating life, up his living situation, level up in all areas of life, and decides to take some some concrete action steps to do that. So if this line would be applied inappropriately, at least I think inappropriately, and this young man would be told by a mentor and advisor that, you know what, you really shouldn't do that. You should really be happy with what you have. I think we can all agree that would be terrible advice. Now, let's say someone is 5'10", and they want to be six feet. I don't think there are very many ways to grow once you're, I don't know, 18, 20. So in that instance, like, Maybe that that, would, that advice might make more sense like, to be happy with the body you have, where it's something you can't change. Going back to what we discussed last week about the serenity prayer, where it's very crucial to differentiate in your life between things that you can control and cannot control. But the idea that I'm trying to get to here is that there, there's there's some balance that has to be struck between this fire inside inside of you. Somewhere deep inside of you, there's this fire to up your life. And whatever it is that you want to do, improve your life in any way, you want to start hitting the gym and getting stronger, you want to improve your relationships, you want to travel the world, whatever it is you want to do, versus being content with what you have. It's almost, I think it was, I think it might have been James Clear who put it this way, that like, you want to look up the mountain, like we always want to look up the mountain, like, oh, we have to do all these things, we have to, so much we want to accomplish, we want to, we, we want to make more money, we want to be happier, we want to be in better shape. But you also have to take time to look down the mountain and be like, wow, look how far I've come, you know, and take a minute and I really appreciate and have some gratitude about all the blessings that you have in your life and all the uh, accomplishments that you've made based off of effort that you put in. On either side of the spectrum, it would not be healthy to be extreme. So meaning if let's say you are so, so driven to up your life in every way possible or in one specific way, and you just like do not do anything else besides just one thing, maybe you want to learn an instrument and you just do it 24-7 and you're always telling yourself how like 
until you get this done, nothing's going to be right, nothing's going to be worth it, and you just don't do anything else besides this, and you're being hard on yourself, you're saying, get better, get better, get better, just keep getting better. I think we can all agree that's not healthy. But on the other hand, have you ever met someone who's, I don't know, maybe in their upper 20s or like low 30s, still living with their parents, or it just like in general gives like a vibe of not being where they could be based off of their intelligence, based off of their education or their their just natural abilities. And they just for some reason don't have this tenacity and this drive to improve themselves. And it's like, what? it's like something's off. Like, don't you want to make your life better? That's also not good. Somewhere in the middle, we have to land. And that's the sweet spot. And the question is, where is that sweet spot? And like I was saying before, this is something that comes up when uh, me and my friend talk. We talk about whatever we're struggling with in life. Maybe it's our jobs or we're not feeling great or fitness or it can be anything. And it's like all the time we always end up saying like the answer is it's a balance. It's always a balance. And the question is what's that balance? So it's not so profound to say that a balance must be struck because literally it's the answer to everything. It's the question is what is the balance? Where in the middle should we be? And this basically applies to everything, basically, if not everything. So where else does it apply? There is a there's a theory in psychology. I don't know if you call it a theory. It's more like a, a modality of viewing human personality, which is called the big five personality trait. So there are there's a school of thought in psychology. This was developed throughout the 1900s or the 1950s, I think it was formulated by uh, Dr. Raymond Cattell, among others, and it become, became more further developed over the years. But basically, the idea is that the, they were trying to boil down human personality into five traits. I'm a little skeptical of this, to be honest, because like I feel like human personality is, and they would agree, is way more complex than five things. And I, I'm not necessarily convinced that you can really boil down the essence of a person's personality or like who they are into these five things. But the theory is that every aspect of you kind of, in a way, falls within one of these things. And here they are. We have extroversion, agreeableness, neuroticism, openness, and conscientiousness. So let's go through them. And what I want you to do is I want you to think to yourself, on a scale of one to 10, where do you fall with this personality? So remember, like we were discussing in our first episode, we do not answer these questions as yes or no. We don't say, are we either extroverted or are we introverted? That's not the question. The question is how extroverted are we? This is extroverted, not introverted, so we'll say extroverted. So let's start there. On a scale of one to 10, how extroverted are you? Extroverted means outgoing, talkative, gets derives energy from being around people. How high on one to 10 are you with extroversion? Agreeableness, how agreeable are you? Are, are you argumentative? Do you agree easily? Are you persuade, persuaded easily? On one scale of one to 10, how agreeable are you? Neuroticism, how neurotic are you? What's neuroticism? It's like when things just drive you nuts. If you have obsessive compulsive tendencies, things just like, you need things to be perfect, perfectionism, things like out of order kind of drive you nuts, like things need to be like very particular. You're, you get kind of put off very easily. How high on a scale of one to 10 are you with neuroticism? The fourth one is openness. How open are you? So I, like for me, I think I be like an eight with openness. Cause to be honest, and I'm not saying this to brag, I just like, I, I don't think most guys would try out to be honest. Like, I was like kind of afraid because I didn't think many other guys would be doing it. And like, I'm doing it for the first time. And these, all these people are, they look like they're pros. Like they've been doing it for a long time. And I'm, I'm afraid, oh, they're gonna look at me and think I'm weird and this, that. But like, I still did it. And I'm, I'm very into trying new things. And even though they're like sometimes stressful or maybe call, uh, provoke some anxiety in like the early goings, I'm very into trying new things. I think it's like really crucial to grow yourself as a person, trying new things, new experiences. How high are you on openness? Would you try yoga if you've never done it before? What about something else that you've like wanted to do that you have never tried? And maybe you're a little scared about doing it. What about openness of thought about being open to different people's opinions? How open are you? And the last one is conscientiousness. How thoughtful are you? How thorough are you in your organization, in your thinking, in your follow-through, in your accomplishing tasks that you need to do? One to 10, where are you in conscientiousness? Now, if you said for any of these five, one or 10, so let's say you said agreeableness. Let's say you said that you're a one with agreeableness, which means that you are the least agreeable possible. You're the least agreeable possible. Probably you would acknowledge that that is a flaw in your character. And probably you could do to be a little bit more agreeable. Because quite frankly, when you meet someone who's just so disagreeable, everything you say they're disagreeing with and they're arguing with, it's just like, well, what's wrong with this guy? Like, why are they so, like, why do they have to be so difficult? And people like this, I don't think have many friends because they're just very hard to talk to and they're very unpleasant. On the other hand, let's say you said you're a 10 in agreeableness. You agree with everything. So is that good? Of course not. That, we call that a simp. If you agree with everything, especially around women, if you agree with everything that you hear, every, everything someone says you agree with, that's also you probably would acknowledge. And hey, no shame in that. We all have work to do to d develop our ourselves, better ourselves as people. But if you said a 10, that's probably too high. You're probably too agreeable. You could probably do to be a little bit less agreeable and be a little bit more staunch in your frame and your belief systems. And I, I really think this applies to all these five things. Somewhere in the middle, we're going to strike a balance. 
And that's the sweet spot. And maybe we know that like, I don't know, for, for me, for extroversion, I'm pretty low on extroversion. I'd probably say like I'm a three or a four. And I think it could do me well to be more of a five or a six. So it's not like a five is the best and the further you go from five is worse. But I would say to be a one or 10 probably is not good. You want to be somewhere in the middle and everyone's different. And we all have our own ways of doing things and different levels of these things are going to work for us because we're all different. So for me, I think like I'm maybe a three or four. I think maybe like I was a three, maybe now I'm a four. And with extroversion in particular, I think I could do to be a six. I think that would be like my sweet spot. And maybe I can work on myself to be a little bit more outgoing, a little more friendly, a little more talkative, a little bit less inhibited, a little bit less buttoned up. And I think I might be able to do better to be a six. That's just me. Maybe you're a three in extroversion and you're confident with that and you like having that aspect of your personality. And that's awesome. But all of these things are a balance. Another thing that we need to strike a balance in is the general idea of complacency versus motivation. I, this week, or last week it was, I had the craziest thing happen to me. I was talking to these uh, couple students. They go to TCU music school. They're piano students at TCU. One was graduating, one, I think, one still had a year, uh, year to go. We're talking about music. I was saying how I picked up the piano a few years ago, and, you know, we're talking about our journeys through music. And I asked them at one point, I said, do you, at your level, graduate, about to graduate, graduate school at TCU, which is a very prestigious mu music school, I said, at your level, do you ever have this thought inside your head that says that you suck and that you're really bad at piano? And they started laughing. They started laughing. And I was like, damn, I didn't know it was that funny. And they're like, all the time. That's like the only thing we do. We always say that to ourselves. And I was like shocked. I was shocked because I remember the first piano lesson I had or during the first month or so, I would either be coming into the piano room where my teacher was or like I would leave and then hear them play afterward. And sometimes I would just like listen and be like, there's, there's, my teacher is just so good. I'm never gonna be that good. And my teacher at that time was a student himself. And I'm thinking like, I'm never gonna be that good. And like, it's so hard to not compare yourself to other people. But then when, when these two girls told me how they felt about their music progress, despite being graduate students of piano, I was thinking that at that time when I was taking piano lessons at Queens College, my teacher who was in graduate school at the Aaron Copeland School of Music, also a pretty good music school, probably was saying the same thing because he's probably comparing himself to his professor, people that are better than him, and probably also saying like, I suck and I'm really bad, I'm never going to be that good. When I was looking at him as like he was amazing. Now, I don't know, I didn't get to know him that well, I don't know what his inner dialogue was like, but the moral of the story is that we have to be kinder to ourselves. We can't be so hard on ourselves because the truth is, whether you just began playing piano or doing whatever you're doing, you're not, probably not going to be so good, and you're probably not going to be so good for a while. But the thing is, like in two years, you're going to be way better if you would have recorded yourself the first lesson you took and then you, you compare yourself to two years later which i would highly recommend to do anything you're trying to get better at keep track of it if you're lifting weights keep track of how many, how many reps how much weight you're lifting to see how you are improving if you're playing an instrument record yourself every month record yourself playing a piece that you just worked on and then compare yourself to it a year later to see it, it, i mean sometimes hey maybe you didn't progress and then it's something to catch like okay like you know what do i need to brush up on to make sure that i keep continuing to get better but you it, it, in all likelihood what you're going to see is that you got way better and we need to have this very very fine balance between Kind of being a little hard on ourselves. Like, hey, like, you know, I got to work hard. I want to be as good as my professor. I want to be as good as my piano teacher. I got to really practice. I got to get better. But at the same time, be like, hey, like, I just played, I just played Canon in D beautifully. I just played that Taylor Swift song mm, beautifully, right? As opposed to being like, oh, this is, I want to play Mozart's Ninth Sonata. I don't know. And it's just, I'm breaking my teeth over it. It's too hard and I want to quit. There's some balance you have to strike in between. Whereas if you are too hard on yourself and you just only want to get better and, get, and that's it, then you're just never going to appreciate anything that you accomplished. It's not going to be enjoyable, which is like the point of a lot of things we do, right? To like enjoy them. And you're just going to have really poor mental health. You're really being hard on yourself. You're being unkind to yourself. And it's just an awful state to be in. But on the other hand, if you're like, oh, I can play, you know, Twinkle Twinkle Little, I don't know, maybe if that's all you want to do, then that's fine. But like, if you want to actually get better and you learn a couple songs, they're like, all right, yeah, I, I'm pretty good at piano. I know to play these couple songs. It's like, well, okay, but you realize how much better you could become if you work and put yourself out of your comfort zone and try hard and try to learn things that you don't already know. It's it's the same that you can accomplish. And by just being complacent, you'd be totally sacrificing that. And this works into like another idea of balance where it's like work versus pleasure. So this is something that Jordan Peterson talks about in his book, 12 Rules for Life, which I'm reading fascinating book if you haven't read it. He has like 12 rules that he says, that like instituting these 12 rules are basically guidelines to give yourself somewhere to start if you're struggling in life. Like follow these 12 rules, you know, you'll have somewhere to go off from there. And basically all of his rules basically follow this paradigm of chaos versus order, where you always want to be somewhere in the middle, kind of have like one foot in each. What, what do these things mean? So honestly, like some, some, some things he says in that book go over my head and I don't understand what he's saying. But like one of my takeaways from it is that chaos is 
is uh, when you try something new. So if you just started playing piano, then that's chaos. It's a break from your routine. It's doing something new, putting yourself out of your comfort zone, doing something you don't know how to do. It's strange. It's unfamiliar. What is this? It's weird. It's like, I'm not so good at it. Like, uh, it's a whole new language to learn. That's chaos. Order is you wake up, same time, you go to work, you, you, uh, have dinner with your wife, you spend time with your kids, you go to the, uh, you watch your football team on Sunday, like you do like your, you do like your basic routine, that's order. And there's some balance has to be struck between those two things because if you are too chaotic, if you're just always like, all over the place, always doing new things and there's no like order in your life, you're just all over the place. But like, if you never try new things and never explore and get out of your comfort zone, you're basically just gonna live the same life that you're living now forever. So sometimes like people like, like ask me like, oh, like what do you like do like weird things like yoga or like, I don't know, try new things, like what's well, so weird, like what? Like people say, sometimes will say things like that to me. And my response is similar to what we, our quote we had in the end of our first episode, which is from James Clear, if you don't recall, it was, if you are winning in life, you exploit, exploit, exploit. If you are losing in life, you continue to explore, explore, explore. At the time, if you heard that episode, you might've been like, okay, what in the world does that mean? And it's very simple what it means. If you're winning in life, which is a blanket statement, I don't think anyone is just 100% winning, but if in general you're winning, things are going your way, life is good, you basically are getting everything out of life that you want to, which is where we all aspire to be, then you exploit, like hit whatever you're doing, hit that hard, like continue to do that and exploit those things that you're doing that are getting you wins in life. But if you're losing, again, blanket statement, but let's just say, for all intents and purposes, life is not really how you want it to be. You know things can be better. You're not satisfied with where you are in life, which the truth is that's probably where most of us are to some extent. Then you need to explore, explore, explore. You need to keep trying new things because you need to find what works. All these, there's so many things that we have done, different routines, different exercises, different, all these different things that we could be doing. And like without exploring them, we don't know how they could be better in our lives. So it's like, what the, like the response I have to people that are kind of like like down on me for like trying new things that might seem a little like weird. I'll be like, listen, is your life honestly so good that you do not think that it would behoove you to try new things that might make your life better? Like, hey, maybe some people's lives are that good. Like everything's good. They have the perfect girlfriend. They're making money. Their living situation is on point. They're happy. They're in shape. Like everything's perfect. Very few people are living that way. And if they, even if they seem to be, there's probably something else going on. Every single person alive, I believe, is suffering to some extent. But it's like, who is there? Basically, everyone to some degree, you're going to want to find ways to up your life and continue to explore. And for me, that's how I do that by trying these new things. I'm like all these different things that you might try, you might try 10 things and maybe nine of them were like duds and they didn't get you anywhere. But one of them was like, damn, like this thing really improved my life. I started dancing a year ago. I do line dancing. I do Texas two-step. I started doing Zumba. And like the first time like I went two-stepping, I was very uncomfortable. You know, like I feel like everyone's looking at me. Like I look weird on the dance floor. Like I know what I'm doing. Like people are gonna make fun of me. Just by the way, as an aside, I feel like a lot of people have this tendency to think like that. And the truth is, by the way, you're not so special. Not everyone's looking at you. Not everyone's looking at me. None of us are so special that like you're all they're looking at. It always feels like we're the ones that are on, on the spotlight and being watched. It's not really true. There's other things to see. You're not so important. Not everyone is looking directly at you. So stop being so self-conscious. Easier said than done, but that's the basic idea. But it's like now looking back, obviously I still want to get better and have a long way to go. But it's like now I actually know how to dance. So it's like I had to put myself through a certain degree of to a certain degree of suffering. Not like real suffering, but like a little bit of suffering that like I was out of my comfort zone. I was very uncomfortable, maybe in a little bit of pain. I was emotionally kind of like I was like, oh, this is weird. Should I be doing this? Like people looking at me, like I look funny. But it's like now that I have done it for over a year and I'm actually pretty good. It's like, I look back, I'm like, that was so worth it. And I never would have got to where I am today if I didn't try this new thing. Whereas like now, even if I don't put in any effort to get better, I have all this to enjoy and appreciate because I now know all the basics and all the moves that I know. Like I know all that and I can now enjoy that, but it would still, I think, behoove me to continue to get better because I still can get a lot better. So it's like some balance between like, I can enjoy, I can maybe go out one night and dance and be like, I'm just going to enjoy the moves that I know. And I'm not going to try new moves that are hard or that make me like, maybe that's okay once in a while. But then it's also important, I think, to keep trying to get better. Cause like, honestly, who knows how good we can get at things that we just started doing. What about selfishness? Everyone, there's a stereotype that you should be selfish. You should be, you should be selfless. Well, I tend to disagree sometimes. I think it's, I think it's good to be selfish at certain times to an extent. And especially what drives me nuts is when someone will ask someone a favor and the person agrees because like they think they have to agree to do them a favor let's see drive them to the airport and then it's like totally doesn't work with their schedule it messes up their whole routine and they almost get angry at their friend or their, their sibling or whatever asking them for that favor even though they agreed to do it and it's like if you were not able to do this and work it into your schedule and 
be like happy and content about it, then maybe you shouldn't have done the favor. Like you do not need to do people favors. If someone asks you to walk their dog and you're too busy, you hate dogs, you don't like them, or you just want to do something else. And I mean, if you're a close friend, I, it, I think it's better to, you know, sometimes put your put, uh, sacrifice a little bit, but like the, the idea is that you do not need to do someone a favor. So if you agree to do it, don't do them a favor and then be mad at them for it. Like that, I, I just, it kind of trusts me as people do that. But it's like, yeah, to a certain degree, Obviously, it's different if you're parents. Uh, I don't have kids, but I imagine if you have kids, like, you know, that's kind of what your life revolves around. But, like, I think that people should take more times and have it as, like, you time. Like, this is, you're treating yourself. You're taking care of yourself during this time, and you're not pleasing anyone. You're not doing something because someone wants to do something with you or someone wanted you to do something. You're doing something just for you. And I think that amount of self selfishness, I think, can go a really long way. I feel like at some point over the last five or 10 years, this new movement, body positive, has become like a real big thing. And uh, I guess its opposite is this, I hate this term, but fat shaming. Like people making fun of people that are fat, which is obviously terrible. And I, I don't want to quote specific examples, but like, you know, you have, you have different magazines having models that are like overweight and just like really unattractive and be like, oh, like, you know, you go, like, you look good just the way you are. Like, you, you're beautiful. You're perfect. Like, you don't need to, and it's like, it's like, no, you're not perfect. No one's perfect. It doesn't matter how attractive or overweight or there's no one is perfect like our whole purpose of life is to keep improving and keep getting better like can you imagine if i, I, have, I have the cutest nephews and nieces they're so cute but sometimes they could become monsters like all kids could right and sometimes i like imagine like what if you have like a parent who didn't teach their kid how to like be a person didn't teach them that they obviously to the right way of parenting but didn't teach them to some degree didn't discipline them didn't teach them that they can't make a scene in public or call people rude names or just do things that are socially unacceptable, like that kid would grow up to be an adult that just would not have basic social intelligence and understand social cues to be able to function in an adult society. And that would be such a disservice to that kid. Can you imagine if a parent would just say like, oh, everything you do is perfect. Like just keep being you, you do you, you're beautiful, you're perfect just the way you are. It's like, no, a kid has to have so much to learn about how to be a functioning member of society, how to how to have manners, how to behave, how to interact with other people. There's so much has to learn. Do you think that like once you turn 15 or 20 or 25 or 30 or 40, all of a sudden like then you learned everything there is to know? No, I don't feel that way. At least I'm 27. I have so much more that I need to learn, need to know how to do, need to improve about myself. Like, and that journey never ends. So it's like this idea of, to respond to fat shaming. So now the the, the polar opposite is like, oh, you're like, no, you're not perfect the way you are. If you're 100 pounds overweight, you should lose weight. It's unattractive to be overweight and it's also very unhealthy. Now, obviously everyone has their own struggles and, and things are hard for some people. Things are easy for some people and we should never judge other people or make people, obviously like goes without saying to make fun or bully people for the way they appear or, the, or how overweight they are or underweight they are. But it's like the, the, the response to being overweight is not to just be, say like you're perfect the way you are. It's almost related to this larger idea in self-help where I would say maybe like 30 to 50 years ago, there was really no such, like no one talked about self-esteem. I wasn't alive then, but I, I think this like self-esteem thing is like a newer idea. It used to be people didn't really have time for leisure unless you were very wealthy. You went to work, you earned money, you know, you worked hard, you made money, you fed your family. And that was like life. There wasn't so much leisure or so much like even like necessarily time to even evaluate self-esteem. And I don't know when it came to be this like self-esteem movement where I feel like the reaction is like the polar opposite where it's like self-esteem to people became like, you're perfect the way you are and you're awesome and you're a hero and you're a valuable member of society and you have all these positive things and this, that. And some of that I think is good. But the problem is, is that this is a fundamental lack of nuance. Why? Because the opposite, re the, the, the proper reaction to society not caring about self-esteem and then like noticing that people had poor self-esteem is not to say that we're perfect the way we are and everything about us is awesome. No, we're not perfect the way we are. No one is. And to an extent, none of us are awesome. We all have to get better or we all should want to, I think. But the proper reaction is that like, no, you're imperfect the way you are and it would behoove you to try to always keep improving, better your life and better those lives of those around you and make the world a better place and always improve every day. That's the purpose of life, literally. At the same time, you should do that with compassion and with love and with care for yourself and not looking to the past and being mad at yourself, letting things go being kind to yourself, loving yourself. But those things can coexist. It's not like either or. It's not like either you're you're the worst and you hate yourself and your no, self-esteem is, is in the garbage and it's like you're, you just can't stand yourself and you think you're awful versus like you're the best and everything. No, no, no. The balance is somewhere in the middle. You are perfectly imperfect as I've heard stated. It's like you are, if you believe in God or source of energy, the universe made you a certain way perfectly imperfect 
And it's your responsibility in life to try to improve and become the best, best version of yourself that you can be. Well, friends, we have made it to the end of the episode, and I will leave you all with a quote, which goes like this. Run towards embarrassment, not away from it, and you take away its power. Jay Pritchett. Well, friends, I want you to give yourself a pat on the back for sticking with me throughout this entire episode. If you are still with me, either I begged you to listen or you really do care about your own personal journey of self-improvement. And to be honest, I feel like most people do not. So give yourself a pat on the back. Mad respect that you are taking your life seriously, trying to improve every single day like I think all of us should be. Thank you so much for sticking with me. I will be back next week with another episode a little bit less conventional. We will be talking about adulting. So if you are a listener ages, I don't know, 17 to 30, this is a can't miss. If you are not 17 to 30, still feel free to tune in. No extra charge. I look forward to seeing you all then. Till then, stay nuanced. Thank you.